You are listening to the Local Hearted Podcast, episode number 23 with plein air painter Sue Dallimore. Welcome to the Local Hearted Podcast. I'm Meredith Adler, and I am your host. Join me as we get to know the people who create the wide variety of art in Asheville and in the mountain counties of Western North Carolina. We'll also talk with some of the people who create opportunities for our local artists and help them shine. Hi, this is Meredith, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Local Hearted Podcast. My guest this week is Sue Dallimore, a plein air painter from Marshall, North Carolina. She is also the coordinator of the Asheville Urban Landscape Painters, a community of artists that meets weekly for painting demos and on-site painting. Although she has always been creative and interested in art, Sue has been pursuing her interest in painting for just the last few years. I think one of the gifts of this interview is learning how a devotion to regular practice and a playful positive attitude toward the work brought Sue to become the artist she is today. This is a long episode, so I'm making this intro short. Let's let Sue speak for herself. She offers many gems of wisdom about being an artist about her approach to life, and about her projects of interest. It is my pleasure to bring to you Sue Dallimore. So Sue, thank you so much for joining me on the Local Hearted Podcast today. I'm really happy that we're sitting down to talk about your work. Thank you. I am too. It's great. And I would love to start by having you explain Mm -hmm. what it is you're doing with your art. Okay. Um, Most of my work is plein air work, which means that it's painted outside in the open air. And I do um, start my work there and try to finish it there. Sometimes I bring it home and I'll see a little bit um, more that needs to happen to make it come to a point where I'm really satisfied with it. But... About 95% of my brush strokes are put on the canvas outside. And I really love painting outside over any anything else <laughs> at this point in time. Although I am doing a little bit more studio work lately because, um, I don't know, that's just happening. And it's, and it's okay. It's good. Okay. Well, um... What has brought you to doing that? Are you doing a different kind of work or different subject matter? Uh, yeah, um, it partly, it kind of evolved out of um, my sketchbook practice, which started last December because um, as I'm the coordinator for the Asheville Urban Landscape Project Painters Group, which is a local group of, of plein air painters and we paint out every Tuesday. And when the weather gets cold in the wintertime, we look for things to do that are, you know, 
weather friendly, so inside warm places. So once a month, one of those things that we do is we go on a sketch crawl and we usually visit in a morning from, you know, around nine to 10 o'clock. We meet for in a breakfast cafe and sketch in the cafe. And then we move somewhere, sort of a middle point that not necessarily a place with food, but maybe something else interesting to, to sketch. And then we finish up somewhere where there's a lunch option. And I was really enjoying going on the sketch crawls. I felt like it was challenging my drawing skills in a way that I hadn't really done before. And a lot of the people that came out with me, other artists in our group, had these wonderful little bound sketchbooks that just were so beautiful to look through. And I thought, well, I want to try to do one of those. So I got myself a one of those um, sketchbooks. And I, I chose a watercolor paper sketchbook because I wanted to add some color too. And I like paint and the fluidity of watercolor seemed like a fun thing to play with. It wasn't something that I had much experience with, but it just sounded like a fun thing to do. So I put together a little kit for myself and went out with my sketchbook. And it turned out to be this thing that really was very, very loose and fun and no pressure and you know just a great way to to work towards something else and and um i like the feeling of it so as as i got better i mean i sort of figured out like how i wanted to go about doing my sketches and what materials i liked using and and it in my work in that sketchbook improved through the year and I got to this point where I thought well maybe I would like to do more watercolor work that I would eventually you know share and show which I hadn't done and um, so part of that working working at home more sort of started with that seed and then one of the artists from Waynesville, it's actually Joe Ridge Kelly, she was kind of following, we're friends, and she was kind of following my sketchbook work, and she suggested that maybe I could do watercolor for the Quick Draw, which is a fundraiser in Haywood County for the schools, for their arts programs, and, um, and do watercolor for the Quick Draw. And, and I was terrified. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, because everything I had done to that point was just little format, five by eight inch piece of paper out, you know, just goofing around, really. So this was serious because that's an event and it goes to auction and a lot of people see what you do. And so I, I at first wasn't sure if I would say yes to that opportunity, but I thought about it for a few days and I know that Sometimes when a challenge comes along, I really rise to the occasion and I work hard to try to get to a point where I'm happy with, you know, what I would do. So knowing that I had two months or two and a half months to practice and, and you know, get ready for it, I said yes. <laughs> and then I was, other, so much other stuff was happening at the same time that I didn't practice at first. And initially, then it became this kind of mad practice sessions to get to the point where I could produce something that I really felt proud of that was worthy of such an event 
And so that's how I got into doing the watercolor really like a, a lot. And now actually really, you know, I did a lot of oil painting in the springtime, but then most of my work since that quick draw has been watercolor work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I've actually sh- showed my watercolors for the first time at the Asheville Gallery of Art now, which I had been hanging, um, you know, opaque media paintings with either oil or acrylic, depending on what I had used. And now, um, as of November, I put my watercolors up for the first time. So really curious to see what the reaction to those will be, you know, at the gallery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great that you have the flexibility and that you challenged yourself like mm-hmm. that. And so that was, I mean, the quick draw is not a small event. That was a huge challenge that you took on. I've been to the quick draw and at least when I went, it was packed out with people mm-hmm. and the artists, the auction involved, I don't know if it still does, the artists standing in front of the crowd and telling about their inspirations for the piece. Did you do all that? Yeah, I did that. And I, I really, that was one of the things that I didn't prepare myself for that I kind of wish I could go back and, you know, rewind and do that over again, because I, uh, my, the other thing is when you do the quick draw, they sort of draw a number and that determines the order that you're going to go up. And I was brand new at it and I'd only been to the quick draw once before as a spectator and never as an artist. And I, when I was preparing for all of the things you do do to get ready for the quick draw, I did not think of that. So I drew number two. So I was the second person to take that spot on the podium and talk about my work. And I didn't have even any previous artists, you know, statements to reflect upon in that moment of just spontaneous, you know, explaining what I had created. So, yeah, I I would love to be able to redo that (laughs) one. But but the Quick Draw is a wonderful event. It's it's, um, really fun and... A lot of parts of it were not intimidating to me. Like I'm used to people watching me work because I paint in public places all the time. And people come up and watch me paint and ask me questions about things that I'm doing. And, and that's been happening since before I knew anything about even how to paint really, you know, my work was not very um, well developed and I already had that happening. So I kind of, let's say grew up, as an artist with that performance aspect there. So that part didn't bother me. When I, when I do create work, I don't like to show work that I'm not um, happy with myself. So a lot of it was the pressure of really figuring out ahead of time what I was going to paint. And it's not plein air. You have to bring in something. It's like studio work, which I don't do very much of either. So you have to bring in something that's your subject matter that you've decided, you know, you're going to paint and do it on the spot there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can set up a display and do a live painting. Many of the artists do do that. But but I didn't want to have that part to deal with along with the time you have a time frame of one hour from start to finish to complete your piece. I was working in a new medium that I was not very, you know, uh, familiar with really. And a lot of things about it were a big challenge for me, but 
It was really fun. Brave soul. <laughs> That's what I have to say to that. Brave, brave soul. <laughs> do you think you'll do it again? Um, I hope that they ask me to come back next year. Uh, I, I would love to do it again. Yeah, definitely. You would be open to it. Yeah, it would be easier now because I've been doing watercolor all the time. I mean, you know, if they want watercolor, I can do that. If they want oil, I can do that. And um, yeah, yeah, I would, I would love to do it again. Really love the um, the crowd that comes in the space and the the event is really fun. So. Super fun. It's it one of the most fun things I've done around here. I think yeah. it was really fun. Not as a I was not a participant. I was an observer, yeah. but it's really fun to watch everybody and watch the auction and just be there. Yes. They have a nice dinner. At least they did. That they time. do. They have good food. It was more fun the year that I went as a spectator <laughs> than it was when I was working. But I have to say that they take really great care of the artists that come to work there too. They really make every effort to make sure you have everything that you need and um, including, you know, water and snacks and the space you want and lighting. And they scramble around like crazy just trying to make it all comfortable for us. And it was very impressive to see them work and they have a great team. It's, it's just wonderful all the way around. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I love to be there again. And I love the artists in Waynesville and that whole group of people too. It's, they have a really nice community there in their arts community i'm sure otherwise too but that's where my interaction has been mm -hmm. great great so you have to do framing too don't you like isn't that part of your hour yeah or is well, that after the bell rings yes it's okay. after the bell rings uh but you do have to figure it all out ahead of time so that you're just basically popping your finished sign you sign it you know you can sign it after the, the bell too okay um, you sign it after the bell and you stick it into your, you know, frame. For, in this case, it was matte with glass and a frame. And, and uh, Jennifer Pearson at Frugal Framer helped me have that all ready. So it was really easy to do. And, um, yeah, that, that worked out fine. I do want to mention to you, because mm -hmm. you are a plein air painter, like, from life. The time I went, there was a young man who was painting from life. And it was really interesting. He did the spectators. Like he, he just oh, yeah. kept adding different people in and the table that was across from him and the lights. And I didn't really realize what he was doing at the time. But reflecting on it later, I know that's what he was doing. He was painting what he was looking at. So that was really interesting. Oh, I would love to be able to do that kind of, that's like live event painting and mm -hmm. it's becoming more and more popular for people to have uh, painters at their live events, like weddings and important parties and anniversaries. And, you know, that would be a good example of that. Mm -hmm. uh, I've done a live event painting too, but I'm, it's not my strongest, you know, area because I have some skills that I need to work on in order to to get to the point where I can do that. Maybe, you know, that's something I'll work on in another challenge, like to get better at those things that I know are my weaknesses. But yeah, I love seeing those yeah. when people do them. So tell me more about plein air painting for you, like how you got started and where you like to go, what it means to you to be doing that outside. Yeah, the way that I got started in plein air painting uh, is really um, 
it wasn't something that I had you know, decided like I want to do this thing. It kind of presented itself and I tried it and I ended up loving it. So the way that happened was I was, I had been taking uh, some painting classes at AB Tech in acrylic painting and I met a woman who was one of my classmates in there and she said, oh, you know, you should come paint with our plein air group. And that was the first year that the Asheville Urban Landscape Project existed, which was started by Lisa Blackshear. And there, it was a very small group at that time, maybe a dozen people or something painting together on oh. Tuesdays. What year was that? Uh, 2014. Okay, thanks. And I... So, so it was Colleen Hester, just, she's a local artist too. She was the one who was in the class with me and she said, Oh, you should come paint with us. And I was like, Oh gosh, you know, she told me what it was. And, and I had this easel at home, you know, a French easel, which I had gotten very little use at all. I didn't even know what it was for really to tell you the truth. And, um, so I started like looking into a little bit and just thinking about it. And I think she mentioned it to me probably in like, February of that year. I know I signed up for the first class at AB Tech in January, so it was somewhere in the middle of that first class. And uh, I was like, oh, that sounds like a cool thing. I love being outside, and I love the landscape, and it did seem like a good idea. But I was shy about it, and I didn't feel ready. And so time passed and I took another class and she was in there again and she reminded me like you should come paint with us and I was like okay you know give me the information I'll think about it and I still didn't do it until late July that summer I finally you know got it together to try this thing with the group and the first time I went to paint I think it was at Lake Louise in Weaverville, and my painting was a pretty frustrating piece. <laughs> um, I don't have it anymore, it's destroyed. Uh, but there was something about it that, that I could feel the potential of it, and I did really like being outside. So I kept going, and the group was so warm and welcoming and really I was learning a lot from them because there were some great artists and are some great artists in that group. And I mean, that alone just kept me going back that, that I kept learning these amazing things from them and, and seeing my work improve. And then again, you know, I was outside. And so, you know, it wasn't long before, so that was the first year of the project, which is grant funded through the Art in the Park Community Grant. And there were demo artists, demonstrating artists that would come in in the spring and the fall of the year at that point and do a plein air demo. I missed the spring ones because I, you know, wasn't ready for it yet. By the time the fall came, I was participating. And so then I was seeing demos by you know, these really pretty accomplished Asheville area plein air painters and, um, and, and seeing also like their finished work and just 
you know, how they created these beautiful paintings and really, you know, that was wonderful. I was pretty hooked by then. I just didn't, I went every week unless I really had something else I had to do. And then by the end of that season in November, Lisa, who had been doing all the work to run that first year program, was needing some time to do more of her own artwork and she asked for help. And the artist that came was a, a sort of a growing number of people participating. And you could feel that there was this community building around it and artists wanted to continue through the winter, but maybe not be outside because it gets, you know, cold. So Colleen Hester worked on finding an interior location for us to meet. And we also looked for options for interior painting and put together a schedule for the winter. And I took on the task of sending out notifications through email and Facebook where the group would meet. And Lisa and Colleen were working on keeping the rest of things going. Colleen worked on writing the grant, and, you know, all the different pieces of it, we were sharing the load. And then um, the following, so then we kept it going for a whole nother year. We got the grant, we did some really, had some really great demo artists. And at the end of that year, Colleen uh, had some family things happening that were exciting and going to take more of her time, grandchildren and weddings and all kinds of things. And Lisa was um, really working on creating a body of work and needed more time to, to do that. So they both pulled back very, very far. <laughs> and there I was. So I've been, I took on the task of coordinating it, writing the grant in the third and fourth year. And and running the thing and so that's kind of where I'm at now is that I'm I'm coordinating the program with some help from people every now and then you know that are willing to really put their time in to organize a particular site or you know help with some aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Another big challenge. <laughs> Another big challenge but all of those challenges that I've taken on and I'm, I don't say yes right away to things. I really ponder for a while because I do not like to say yes to something that I don't think that I can manage. So, so I ponder it for a bit and then if I feel just, it's, it's not really a logical yes when I say yes. It's more of like a heart feeling of like, you know, you're going to be able to do this because of sort of the universe is behind you and whatever you need is going to show up. If you really feel like you, you're the one to do it, just say yes. So I think about it, though, until I get to this point where within the core of my being, it feels like, the, like it's aligned with who I am. And then I say yes. And sometimes it's still a real exercise in trusting that inner voice, but the saying yes of it and watching it unfold is one of the most exciting things in life. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just phenomenal. I just love it. So, so yeah, I take on challenges, um, kind of, <laughs> yeah. And they, and they give me back. One of the things I want to point out about that whole process is that in the creating of my art, in the 
interaction with the community and with other people, as long as I'm in that, coming from that space, the heart of myself, of my being, it does feel like there's a lot of potency to that and that it, it does, it brings me great things and I can see that it also is doing good things in the world. And that's exactly how I want my life to be. That is, you know, I'm operating with the intention that that's going to be what's happening. Mm -hmm. So it's been a very good thing, it sounds like, for you and the group to have you as the coordinator. And it has continued and grown, hasn't it? It has grown to um, over 300 uh, area artists on the list. And um, I haven't recently looked actually at the mailing list to see how many people of those I as recognize as having seen in the last year. I'm about at the point where I would do that again because we're at the end. We just finished the end of what would be like, you know, the another year. And now we're starting into our winter season. But I feel like uh, there's over 100, 150 artists that I see through the year. So I think that's really amazing. Mm-hmm. That is. And it's a strong community. It's very supportive. I, I hear really good feedback from everybody about how things are running. So I'm always open to, you know, if somebody has a problem with something, you know, bring it up to me and we'll see what we can do. Or maybe somebody can take on some other part of it if they see something that's needed. Mm-hmm. So, but I think people are pretty happy with it. I hope so. I think so, from what I heard. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So you started out plein air painting by accepting an invitation months after you got the invitation when you felt more ready to try it and I'm curious about your plein air life are you yourself painting also separate from the group outside and how do you arrange that and do that yes I I paint more and more actually you know out separate from the group. I love painting in the group, but sometimes um, there's a lot kind of going on and coordinating takes some some energy. So I love going out to paint by myself. Lately, my practice though is generally to take my sketchbook with me and do sketches. I take a walk on, you know, any day that I'm home and my schedule allows, I take a walk down to the river that's below my house. And they'll bring my sketchbook with me and do sit down there for an hour and do a sketch. Or I keep it with me in the car almost all the time. So if an opportunity arises or I'm out and I just see something and have time, I'll stop and, and do a quick you know, watercolor sketch. The other thing that's happened in the last year is that I've been going away and traveling you know, for a week or so periodically to different locations and with the intention that that it's a plein air it's a plein air travel excursion you know so sometimes it's with another artist friend because it's nice to share lodging and that whole thing and sometimes it's me just venturing out kind of on my own and it might include a little bit of this and a little bit of that but uh, that's been really fun to just actually just focus on plein air work for like a whole week and not Mm -hmm. have much else to think about I love that Okay, so you do it around here, and you also make 
concerted plans to go somewhere else and do it. Yes, I do. I, I really, yes, I really do. I, I feel like my skills are getting, you know, to the point where I'm, I'm pretty happy with what I paint often. But of course, there's always like improvement and another thing, another challenge to take on, another thing to do. So I'm definitely just going to keep, keep at it and at it. And, mm-hmm. and then the places are so beautiful places everywhere, you know, all over the world. In our area, it's, it's endless. You could spend your whole life and never be, you know, disappointed at the options of things to paint in our area. So. And I have a question for you about something you said a minute ago about keeping supplies with you and sometimes as you're just driving around the area, mm-hmm. getting inspired and stopping. I, just as a learner, I'm really curious. I have a question about that because I do that too, but so often that scene that I see from the road there isn't really anywhere to put your car. Like, have you figured out how to overcome that? Well, no. Some, I mean, there's a lot of them that you just pass by, you know, because there isn't a good place to set up or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but sometimes, you know, there's plenty that are good too. And then sometimes I'll be somewhere. Like the other day, I went out to Barnardsville to make a, a to pick up something from somebody. And I met them at the big Ivy Community Center on Dillingham Road. And I was waiting there for 15 minutes and I didn't start to sketch because I knew I had somewhere else to be and I didn't want to start. But I walked around in that 15 minutes and I saw plenty of things that I'll go back to. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, so sometimes if I'm running an errand and I know, oh, I'm going out to Barnardsville tomorrow then I'm going to make time to go back there and make sure that I have that hour or two hours or three hours, depending on what my medium is going to be, to work, you know, to do some work. So you're always kind of seeing as an artist and scouting, even if you're not able to paint. Yes, I'm, I'm always scouting, not just for myself as an artist, but also for the group. I'm constantly looking for sites to bring the Asheville Urban Landscape project and part of my intention with that group is to please myself so that we're you know wherever we go I'm excited to be there mm-hmm. so I, I like I'm always looking for for good spots for that too mm-hmm. and that that requires a certain set of logistical things that aren't necessary when it's just me mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah. Yeah. yeah but but I'm always scouting constantly <laughs> yeah sounds like and what for you like if it's just for you mm-hmm. what do you want to see in a site hmm. well you know i'm not i'm very particular when i go out to find my view because i really i do like for the most part the composition of my painting to already be there i'm i'll move things around sometimes in a painting when i need to to make it have a pleasing composition but the my favorite thing is when it's already there and I don't have to do too much editing mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not I'm I'm not all that particular like it doesn't have to be like a body of water or a big view or uh, you know or it doesn't have to have strong light or it doesn't have to have bright color I know that those are things that other artists look for because I watch it with people. When I, I go out with people so often 
that I have a real feel for like, you know, these different things people are looking for. And when I'm looking site for sites for the group, I do think about those things. But for myself, I think I just want a place that feels um, good. It has beauty. It feels safe. It's comfortable in some way. And, and then when there's something exciting to paint there, then that, that's kind of an added mm-hmm. benefit. Do you go back to the same place? over and over to paint? Um, yeah, some places. Um, I Like last, um, sometimes I'll discover a new place and I'll be like, oh, I can't wait to go back there. And uh, I just spent a weekend camping in Hot Springs as part of uh, what was called an art, artist retreat that was organized by another artist here in Asheville who's doing a really, actually a very cool project with that he's calling um, Preserving a Picturesque America. And um, I can tell you more about the project if you're interested in a minute, but because of what he was working on with this project, which relates to art and historical aspects of artists and plein air artists in particular and how they had an impact on the conservation movement, some of these works that were done were done in hot springs and we went back to these very spots where these paintings were created in the late 1800s to create a modern version of the same landscape and we went to places that i hadn't been i mean many people have been they're not like uncommon spots really or anything but i just hadn't gotten out there and it was fantastic, so I can't wait to go back and paint in those sites again and do more work there. And I saw things that, like, oh, I don't, I didn't have time to paint this view. So yeah, th- those kind of things happen where I'm like, can't wait to go back. Mm-hmm. Roan Mountain, another one, can't wait to go back. You know, painted many, I painted there two years in a row during the height of the bloom of the rhododendrons on the top of the mountain. And uh, I don't know, there's, there's something about the way that I feel up there that makes me like, I'll go back. I would paint the same exact view, <laughs> uh, you know, the same spot again and love it. So it can be about the artist's experience, not just what the painting is going to be. Yeah, I don't have a huge agenda necessarily to create a particular painting. I mean, I do paint a painting. In the end, there's a painting. But yeah, it's experience. Like, it's like the whole joy of the day in the creating of a painting. It's, it's all in it for me. Like, yeah. It gives you a certain focus. You know, the times that I do it when I'm out there, I'm just thinking of the most recent time I did, I was at Lake Watauga, and I think it just gives you a certain memory of being there, and while you're there, just is a certain focus that you wouldn't have otherwise if you were just hanging out at the lake, I think. Oh yeah, painting is very different from 
like visiting as sort of a tourist who's just enjoying the view. Mm-hmm. Painting, it opens up a certain aspect of, of the self, me, when I'm out and I'm in that location, somehow I, I'm sort of evaluating it in a different way, in, in a very visual way, and a how can I translate this uh, big, multi-dimensional thing that I'm feeling and seeing into this little two-dimensional image. And I'm paying attention to things like colors, the subtlety of colors, and not just looking at them and appreciating, you know, how they look next to each other or whatever, but how would I, how would I achieve a kind of feeling that would convey what I'm seeing? Mm-hmm. So um, a whole mental process starts before, you know, <laughs> you, you even do anything. To, so, and then, you know, the texture of things and, you know, I don't know, there, there's a lot of aspects to it that just... And it becomes very exciting to, to try to make something good happen and on the canvas and something that you like in the end. And by the end of the time, there is a strong imprint of the memory of the day that it was painted. I just um, recently actually wrote to one of the... Uh, somebody bought like a, a block of my paintings. They bought five of my paintings and... Uh, Three of them was, were from my week at Roan Mountain this year. And I wrote them a, a letter to tell them how each one, you know, a little bit about the experience of each painting. And it was really interesting to reflect back on each painting because so, that, so there was a a really strong memory of the feeling of the creating of each work mm-hmm. and each one very different and unique from any other you know every one is every painting comes from this moment in time that can never be repeated it's it happened already and there there's treasures in them and that's all of life is like that anyway there's you never go back, you know, a moment is now, now is it, and the painting is a reflection of that moment. That's uh, pretty cool. Kind of a reflection of what was going on out there, interacting with what was going on inside you, it sounds like. Absolutely, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a memory when I see the work that I made of how I felt that day, how I felt in that place, some places feel, well, they, they all feel different from each other, right? I mean, places feel different. So, but there's a definitely strong imprint of memory of how did I feel that day? What was happening in my world, in my life, in my body, in my mind, in my heart when I painted that painting? And, and then sometimes there's like, what technical challenges was I facing? Like, oh, I couldn't figure out how to make, you know, this work or that work. And then... And then somehow you 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 unpuzzle that you know as you're working on it, and if it ends up being one of the ones that I'm going to hang somewhere that's going to sell at least, um, I mean, but there's a whole pile of them that will never sell because 
I'm not, <laughs> I'm not putting those out. <laughs> They're not seeing the light of day. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's that too, but they, but they also, you know, they have, they, each one has a very interesting story that's contains just all aspects of, of myself and what's going on with me. And like you say, this interaction with the environment and the engagement of our energies together. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that I can sometimes remember that are a different sensory experience that are not visual, like the smell of something or the wind that was blowing that somebody viewing it might not know, even that I battled the wind, you know, while I painted this painting and my easel fell over or whatever. But I remember. <laughs> right, right. And, or there, there's one that I have hanging in my room that, um, I was freezing cold when I painted this painting. It was windy and really, really cold. And when I look at that painting, that's kind of what I think of is like, oh, that was so miserable. I was so cold. <laughs> so uh-huh. there's yeah. a huge difference between what you experience when you're painting and what a viewer might experience when they see the result. Yes. Yeah. Huge difference. Mm-hmm. For sure. So when you paint, when you're going to start a painting, do you have a vision of the scene in paint when you start? Like, can you see what it will look like as as a painting or does that occur as it unfolds? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. I know what I work out the composition basically, but I have no idea how it's going to look in the end. I am totally winging it as I go along and watching it unfold. And there's, usually this really ugly point, which initially I just would frustrate me a little, but now I totally get it. I sort of understand that ugly point. And I will look at my painting and be like, oh, keep going, (laughs) keep going. And then, um, and then there hits this point where, you know, right on top of the canvas, you don't even see sometimes how the painting is, how the image is starting to come come forward or like it's almost like that sculptural thing like you got this big block of marble and you know you're you're carving away to create this is uh, Michelangelo or something it's kind of like that with the paint you've got this canvas and you're just going through this exercise of looking and then taking something that you're seeing and putting it on this board and you're not really even looking at the whole thing sometime, you know, you're, or it's so impressionistic in the way that I paint that I can't, I don't really see it all coming together in kind of a detail. So sometimes then I step back and I'll go, Oh wow, it's, it's coming together. It's, I can see it. It's starting to look right. And then, you know, you, then I can go in and put like these little finer, the finer ending strokes and details in and, and kind of see like, wow, it's a, it's a kind of a rush of an experience. And I think that's one of the things that just keeps me loving doing it is that process of going from nothing to into sort of a point where there's an idea. It's mostly compositional, but there's a little bit of a, there's a knowing about like the color notes at that point that are going to be prominent and a thought about how I'm going to mix that and achieve it. And then it's just going at it 
and into the process and then there's this that's where you hit this kind of an ugly point because it's sort of not far enough along to really see how it's all going to come together and what's going to work and whatnot and then it starts to get where you're just working 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 at it and then it you step back and you go oh it's it's happening it's working and when you get the perspective yeah so it's a it's a very exciting process Sometimes for me, when I paint outside, I can't really appreciate what I did until I see it inside later. Like, mm. because what I'm looking at is so amazing and so beautiful. And I feel like it's never going to be that on my piece like that. And so there's that level of frustration that my vision is different than what I'm seeing on my piece. But when I get it home, hmm. that's when I can appreciate it more. Yeah, I definitely have a, a, a part of, I think, my stack of disappointments are those where I wasn't really able to get, I wasn't really able to achieve what I was really feeling or going for. Like, whatever I saw that was just like, oh, I wasn't able to make that happen. And or at least not enough to satisfy me that I did it justice. And so it's just, it's sitting there waiting for me to improve my technique. Because I do look at the great work of masters and some of our local masters and see that they achieve things that I still do not know how to achieve. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll keep working at it. And... Someday. <laughs> well, all those pieces add up to give you the experience for that someday. Like, you have to go through those. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's there's tricks and stuff that, or there's like thing, there's parts of, uh, of, of technique, which is great about studying with somebody, because I know from, you know, doing this that there, there are just a lot of things that aren't obvious that are done to achieve those certain effects. Mm -hmm. And so it's worth doing some study and seeing your work improve as you understand, you know, how different elements are playing with each other in a painting to make, to create this kind of energy or like excitement, vibration, you know, strength of form and structure or whatever that, that you're trying to depending on what it is that you're looking for that's that wasn't there you didn't know how to do so there could be a lot of different things but those are some things that i notice mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah yeah certain things that if you can learn from others you're not really reinventing the wheel but you might be able to get closer to what you're trying to do if you practice it enough yeah yeah and sometimes it's like a, a really simple, it's not even like something that takes a ton of practice. It's just like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know mm -hmm. that's what you, how you were doing that. I just, it wasn't, I didn't see it. And, um, and once they say, oh, I achieved that by doing this and this and this, you're like, oh, okay, I can do that now. <laughs> now I can. Yeah. yeah. Um, but of course, in the beginning, there's a whole lot of those moments of like, Oh, so that's how you made it look, you know, like, like uh, one of the first things I remember was just creating this depth in the painting and how to make things recede and come forward. When I first started painting, I, I, I had no clue how to achieve that. And my paintings looked really flat. 
And, you know, a couple of artists around me said, oh, you know, try um, putting a little bit cooler colors and things in the background, warming up the foreground, making things a little bit lighter in the distance or whatever. And it was like, oh my gosh, it's magic. I just changed my whole painting by just lightening up this, you know, background. And like, that's a real easy one that, you know, is an example of how that can be a pretty simple little tip somebody gives mm -hmm. you. But like I say, you know, some of those, I feel like I've exhausted a lot of those like easy tips. And now it's like more subtle stuff that's a little bit harder to, to just get. So yeah. we'll see. I'm really, um, I'm really surprised and energized by how practice does pay off and improvements are really visible, you know, over time with practice. I mean, that's for every kind of discipline, any kind of art form. It's like practice really is a fantastic thing to be doing because mm -hmm. it's got big rewards that come with it. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of something we were talking about before we started recording with regard to a painting you showed me of your daughters, actually. And mm -hmm. I wonder if it's okay to talk about that. Yeah, I think so. Sure. Okay. Because we were looking at a figurative piece that her daughter did, and I was asking to how she learned that and will you talk about that a little bit sure um so this is my daughter ivy and she she's the youngest and her sister who's older than her who's a watercolor painter artist was uh is 12 years older than her so when ivy was just a toddler she would hang around with her big sister and kind of be watching her sister do these figures that were based on the, you know, pop cultural anime manga kind of comic book sort of artwork of the day. And, um, and she would, she started to draw these little figures when she was three or four years old and she's just been drawing figures ever since. So all those years of practice, just as a child, you know, doing something that was fun, she's really got to the point now where it's very easy for her to draw a figure with good proportion and shading, and it's effortless for her at this point. And yeah, it's just perfectly natural. No reference, even you said, other than your hands, right? Yeah, for the one that you for the painting that you saw, um, she did ask me to hold my hands in a particular way because that wasn't as familiar in her memory, you know, how that would look. So she wanted a little reference for that. But for the most part, she doesn't need a reference anymore. She's just literally drawn thousands and thousands of figures since she was three mm -hmm. and she's 20, almost 21 and has a huge body of work that, you know, she's created figures so yeah she's extremely comfortable with the figure i would love to get to that point <laughs> many uh, people would yeah I would yeah too. yeah so it's yeah too late to start since we were three but i guess but if you think about it sometime. <laughs> you know um when you're three there are a lot of things that developmentally you don't have as an advantage that we do now so i would say that in a very short period of time, if you focused on doing what she had done, you could, you know, begin to see that happen. Maybe in five years, you know, you could do a figure in any form or posture or pose, and it would look pretty good.
Practice. Maybe less. Practice. Practice. <laughs> yeah, it's just the practice. Practice. And it's nice when it's play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a really good thing to, I think, for all of us to remember when we are doing our work is that a large part of it, sh- if it feels like play, that's a good thing. That That's a great way to um, push edges and risk things and discover new ways of achieving something that you like. It's just keeping it fun and light. I feel like I'm very, I feel like most of the time I'm, I'm pretty experimental with any painting that I take on because I like that feeling. That's part of the reason I paint is that there's this sort of devil may care attitude. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just, I'm just out here just goofing around it's a good way to look at it. Yeah. No, it's not always true. There are certain subject matters that intimidate me more, and sometimes I get a little too serious. But most of the time, I will catch myself when I have that feeling and go, what the heck are you doing? Just play, <laughs> you know, and and become unconcerned about the finished product and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And I've also really appreciated process artwork and I've done the, there's a workshop that comes to Asheville every year in August, which I've done multiple times, which is process work. So completely the opposite of plein air work and that there's nothing to look at. It's all coming from the, what I call the inner landscape and having no agenda at all of what's going to end up on the on the canvas at the end or it's paper. We're using paper in those workshops, but um, it's a great thing to, you know, practice that too once in a while, just to remember that aspect of process and not letting yourself get stuck in having an idea about what the end is going to look like. Mm -hmm. Just letting the creation happen. Just, being responding to what you're seeing at the time like whatever the last marks you had down were is that how it goes yeah i mean it's a little bit different in in plein air work than in process work because when i do plein air work i do have an idea of a certain composition that i'm wanting to achieve at the end and i and there's some thinking that's going into it along the way to create something that's representational of the energy in one way or another whatever I'm seeing. Process work doesn't have that aspect, but I think what I'm getting at and the value of that is staying open to letting something new happen. That's kind of how we discover anyway, like, you know, stuff that can happen. It's like, oh, I didn't know that could happen and happens. And then you're like, oh, I like that. I'm going to use that, you know, in the future this discovery process contributes to the skill set that you have all the time. I see. So the process work is informing your plein air work by kind of a mindset you're able to bring when you go out. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I think it reminds me to be open to a different outcome, just to be open to a different outcome all the time. Mm -hmm. 
not to get too rigid. That's where that element of playfulness kind of comes in is, you know, I'm not, I'm not producing, I'm not trying to produce something that I already know, like what it's going to be. I'm, I'm, I'm there to interact with everything, the materials, the, the view, the environment, and my own being and see what occurs, you know? Yeah. That's, this is one of those moments where that is so well put. I don't want to say anything (laughs) after you (laughs) really well put. Thank you. I think, um, one of the things that I've also noticed with the different artists around me is that some of them are, they're probably like really happy with this too. And it's fine. It's just not for me. And that is to start to do production work where, you know, like certain pieces are appealing and they're going to sell. Everybody wants this, you know, big mountain view or something. So I'm just going to make a big mountain view. And when that one goes, I'm going to make another big mountain view. And I'm just, I'm doing the same one over and over again. And I know they're not the same anyway. So there's something happening there. Mm -hmm. There's some, still some development happening there for the artists. But, but sometimes that's also not true. Sometimes they're like, Oh, I'm kind of tired of doing these, but they pay the bills. So I'm doing them. And I understand the need to pay the bills and, that's why I say, okay, if you found what's working, it's wonderful. But I think that the soul wants something that's not, doesn't have that feeling to it, that it has a feeling that, that you're on the edge of the universe, that you're on the edge of something new, that there's an expansion happening. That's where there's just like a a joy and an excitement that we as humans appreciate experiencing. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you don't have that all the time, but if you're not having it often enough, then you're withering, you know, it's, you're not thriving anymore. And I love that. I love it. If people can let go of those concerns and see what happens when they take the risks that, bring them to those points where there's an opportunity or a chance that they're going to be feeling that I'm thriving. You know, I'm really like on the edge of something like maybe the work isn't even good, but it feels good because you know that it's, there's something about it that's just compelling for you as the creator, as well as often for people that are watching you go through that journey. Mm -hmm. So Sounds like you're talking about being not just open, but being authentic and um, growing. Yeah. Um, I know there's different kinds of people in the world and, and just kind of one of the things that keeps me going is that like, I, I like being on the edges mm-hmm. of stuff. I, lo- I like, I'm kind of visionary and I like, I definitely like to see that what's on the edge. Mm-hmm. I just want to go look and see what's on the edge. Go around you know? one more curve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's new? Um, what's in the future? You know, what, where are we going? It's exciting for me. 
Um, some people's comfort level is more in the familiar or going back to old things actually and bringing those forward again for us to review and sometimes I like that too but I tend to go toward this uh, that a little bit of uncertainty yeah that keeps it interesting for you and yeah. probably for your viewers I do think there is something, I mean, we talked earlier about the experience of the viewer mm -hmm. can be very different than the experience of the artist, but I also think that people are attracted to when somebody's making their authentic work and making work that means something to them. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, I love that people are appreciating what I'm creating and that they're they're getting something out of it, but I'm, I can't do it just for that. You know, it, it's a, it, there's, I guess part of that authenticity is that there has to be my energy in there too. And for me, if I feel like I'm experiencing a certain kind of a feeling while I'm doing the work, somehow that's going to be in the work. And somehow that's nourishment for the one who sees the work. Mm -hmm. And that's important to me. I want my paintings to have some form of nourishment or inspiration or something for somebody. Because otherwise, what's the point of spending all this time, you know, and, and energy and resources on making these things? It's, I mean, we're a community. We're like a whole global organism. I want my... I want what I create to somehow interact with the rest of, of what's around me, people, things, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that makes sense. It's real important to me, yeah. Mm -hmm. Another statement I really do not want to follow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it is. It's great listening to you talk about how much it means to you. Okay, so <laughs> we took a little break and I was talking to Sue about one of the times we met in person before today that she had shown me her sketchbook and how much I had loved seeing it. So we have them out now and Sue's going to show me her progression, I guess is what we're going to do. Which is the earlier one? That one right there. This mm -hmm. one? Okay. This is the one you showed me. That's the one I showed you. That, yep. So, so, we're, so that was um, out with the Asheville Urban Landscape Painters at the Wellbred Bakery in Weaverville. And um, it was the first page of a brand new sketchbook, which is kind of a nerve-wracking moment in that you're going to put something down on there. And of course, these are hardbound Moleskine books. So they're, you know, kind of, uh, it's like creating a real book to me. They're not, they're kind of more permanent feeling in what you put in them. So that was a little uh, painting of the bakery counter and watercolor and marker, actually. And it's showing all the goodies behind the counter and... Yeah, maybe Sue will let us put this on the blog. <laughs> yeah, you can. It's um, yeah, the cookies, all the delicious cookies and scones mm -hmm. and 
stacked up behind the counter in the sort of glass that had this sort of bluish reflection and the top of the counter with the paraphernalia that's on there, tip jars and different different things. Uh, so it was really fun to do. Um, I like these sketchbooks are five by eight inch or eight and a half, five, five and a half by eight or something like that. A watercolor sketchbook and I like using both pages like a panoramic sort of format. Not all of the images in the book are like that, but it became something that I really found pleasing to create and to actually try to make it so each side could stand alone, mm -hmm. but they would also be really good together. So that one is one that I really, really like. And, and did you say this was the start of this yes attempt kind of thing yes that was the first time that i took out <laughs> my watercolor and some materials with me to see what i could do and um so this defies everything we were talking about about practice <laughs> <laughs> well i mean there maybe a little bit but there were lots of there had been lots of you know uh, acrylic painting and stuff done on canvas and board mm -hmm. and stuff before that so some of the, you know, some of the skills were there already. The watercolor was kind of a newer thing. But mm -hmm. well, that's what I mean. It came out okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, did, it sure did. Okay. And I'm just going to flip pages, and if there's something you see that you want to okay. talk about, we'll do that. Okay. We'll try to include the ones you want to talk about in the um, blog, oh, okay. the ones that you're willing Sure. Oh, she has some figurative work here. <laughs> Not very confident about those yet, <laughs> but I try them. I, I keep working at the new stuff. You uh, looks like you paired ink with your watercolor. Yes. Um, I started to really discover that I really loved the watercolor with um, ink. It's an illustrative kind of look, mm -hmm. and... I, I don't know, I just like it. It's it's real fun and and that one is the lobby of the Grove Park Inn. It's so, another panorama. Another panorama of the of the check-in desk. Um, it's a lovely place to sit and sketch because it's in the grand lobby and they have these nice tables with chairs and they bring you if I mean you you can order things. So I think I had a cup of tea while I was painting that and the lighting is poor so when you look at the painting you see all those yellow in the lamps they have these lamps on the counter and they're very bright yellow in the painting because you can't see that yellow in when you're painting it because the lighting in the room is so yellow that it cancels out the yellow in the colors you're working with so it was a little shocking when I opened it up <laughs> In, in natural light and said, oh my God, those lamps are so yellow. And then I realized later, like, oh, the light in that room is very, very yellow. You so couldn't tell. I couldn't see it there at all. And they're okay with people having paint in there? That, that's one I, of the things I wonder about. Um, you know, watercolor paint, a little, I carry a very um, simple setup when I sketch. Mm -hmm. And my watercolor is like, looks like a kid's set. It's mm -hmm. eight colors and a little plastic pan, little ovals, you know, of mm -hmm. eight different colors. So it doesn't take up a lot of space, and it's they're pretty weak. 
the pigments are pretty weak because they're not professional grade. And um, yet they do enough for me to be pretty happy with it. Um, they're not like, they're not really, really the cheapest cheap cheap, but you know, they're kind of that mid grade. So they have enough punch in them mm -hmm. to make a good, good colors, but and nobody super bright. Nobody, nobody gives you a second. They never say glance. anything because it's such a small, mm -hmm. it doesn't look like I'm doing anything real big. It's probably no worse than somebody just writing a letter with pen and ink or something. They don't seem to mind mm -hmm. That's how it looks. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So I see a lot of locations that I've been that, um, yeah, people, you would think maybe you couldn't paint with oil there, but that people don't mm -hmm. mind. What I love about this is that because it's in a, it, it's like a collection altogether. Like when I yeah. paint with my, I often go with watercolors just because to me they're kind of grab and go. But yeah. they're all on separate and goodness knows where they all are, and they're not, you know, where I can put my hand on a bunch of them at the same time. That's what's really nice about having a book. It is wonderful to have a book. Maybe you should get yourself a book. <laughs> I have a book. Uh -huh. Maybe I should be doing my uh, paintings in the little book. Yeah, because it is a wonderful thing. Yeah. And nice to be able to look at the progress and also remember this was my year basically you know mm -hmm. it took me less than a year to fill the whole book but it's a portion of that year so this yeah. next group that you're seeing um, is from the day of the great american eclipse and we wanted to go somewhere to see totality so we went up on the parkway to the graveyard fields started out you know pretty early in the morning to make sure that we got a spot and so i knew i was going to be there for the day so i brought all my gear with me to do some sketchbook pieces as well as some with easel mm -hmm. and the whole setup and there's two um sketches in the book that one is from the lower falls one side looking toward one side from the little bridge that goes over that the water there okay and yes. this is looking the other direction not from the bridge though because i i found a good spot on a rock somewhere but basically those areas did you have totality there yeah you did we did but we didn't get to see it because it clouded up over the oh. sun at the about 10 minutes before and lasted until a little while after so okay we didn't really get to see that but we saw you know a lot of it was cool it was fun we knew it was happening above us <laughs> right and there were lots of great people there and it was sort of fun to be part of the experience with you know others yeah i was i painted with watercolors plein air during the eclipse too but i stayed in weaverville oh uh, you might have had as good a view as we did but it was nice to be there. Yeah. This is mm -hmm. um, one of the ones from the trip out to Hot Springs, camping with um, preserving a picturesque America. So um, when in 1872, when the book was first published as a serial, in other words, people would get like a magazine almost, and it would come out with a, what became a chapter of the book there's a chapter of the book that's called The French Broad. So then this um, 
adventure artists is what they were called would go to the site and when they came to this area in the in that time period they followed the drovers road from greenville tennessee and then the drovers road comes from greenville along the french broad river through hot springs on a part that is now the appalachian trail Mm -hmm. and then continues into Asheville, still following the drovers road and eventually goes to lake lure So when we were out there, the book in its total form has 900 images um, of different scenic sites in in America and 180 something or close to 190 of them have been identified where they are. So what we were working on was going back to the sites that have been identified in that section of the French Broad and painting there again in our modern way. So back then they, these images were created with a combination of what would have been plein air, like sketch work done by one artist who would then give it to a print making artist who would transfer it to a woodcut. And then they would be printed in the book with the woodcut. There are a few in there that are a different printing process, but the majority of those 900 uh, scenic images are all woodcuts. Oh, so, wait. Are they copies of woodcuts, like reproductions of woodcuts, or the actual books have the actual? Well, the way that they prints. print, yeah, the way that they pr- the printmaking in 1872. As far as I understand it, and I'm not an expert on this, uh-huh. would have been that everything was laid out and inked and printed. So the the images would have been, all the images were created in a woodcut, mm-hmm. and then the letters would be laid out, however they did that printmaking, and it would be inked and pressed, and that's how they made the whole book. That's what people actually received. Yeah, they, they, the printing process at the time, that's how it worked. Mm-hmm. So those images were made on wood. They used a kind of, um, of wood that was, had a density. It was grown in a particular way to have a, a density to create a really fine grain so that they could um, create that kind of fine detail in the woodcut and... You know, if you you have to talk to somebody who knows a little bit more about printmaking, I don't. I just sort of got a primer when I went out to Mm -hmm. work with them. Mm -hmm. But it's very interesting. It is. Did they use color? No. They're black and white? Yeah, all Mm -hmm. um, black and white. But um, the work that's happening now, because at the time that that book was made, they didn't have a way to print color, really, to to put out in mass. Um, but we're in more modern time now and we have new options. So, uh, the work, the work is being done to create another book that would have all of our modern, you know, options available and Mm -hmm. to go back to the same sites. And what would we do today if we were creating the same thing? The original book, um, was created before we had national parks or parks in our country. It was right after the civil war. So the And the book, these serials became very popular with the public and actually were a huge part of the beginning of the conservation movement because people began to understand that America had so much beauty and that these sites 
were worth preserving and people wanted to be able to go see them too. Like, well, I want to go there and see that amazing, you know, landscape. So it was a really important piece of work, the original book. And the man who's working on recreating this kind of a follow-up book to go back to these sites to see what happened to them. Are they, were they preserved? What condition are they in? And this weekend that we were in hot springs, we were looking at the section of the French broad and seeing like what has happened to these images or to these places that were, are in the images. And some of them haven't been identified yet. We're still looking for where they are, but this one is at the base of lover's leap. And in the original, there's a, um, there is a stagecoach riding through on the drover's road which is now the AT. Okay. Coming right around this corner where the big rock is that is part of what is Lover's Leap, the base of Lover's Leap. There's a stagecoach in the original image. I've seen images or an image like that, but I somehow when I'm thinking of it, I'm thinking of the river on the other side. Well, you know, it could be it could be that it's on the other side because when I went to do these, I didn't try to exactly duplicate what was in the book because um, Scott Varn, who's the person who's heading up this project, it's his project really. He didn't he didn't necessarily care that we would pick the same exact spot, but we, we would identify the same exact spot. And I think you're right. I think that this one is on the other side. Like when you pass by this rock and you look in the other direction, mm-hmm. but I chose to paint it from I this see. direction. Okay. So we may have seen the same photo. Yes. It's and in those, those images did become popular mm-hmm. and, you know, were probably used as stock photos over and over again mm-hmm. in history books or whatever, because because they're really amazing. The artwork was amazing. So tell me, um, you've seen this book? Yeah, um, um, it was there. Actually, there's photographs of me that I, that I have from Scott where we're kind of looking at the page in the book with the, with the place behind us, mm-hmm. um, sort of showing, you know, like, yeah, this is the spot. Is there a place for if people want to see this book? Like, is it in the library or? Well, it's actually available online in a, like, you know, a digital format for free looking. Uh-huh. Um, I can't remember the site where it is, but you can see the book. Um, well, there's two be. volumes of the book. And from what I could find, one of them, the the copies, the digital copy online is very clear, and the other volume, unfortunately, was not mm-hmm. photographed, or and the images weren't made very clear. So they're they're kind of like two. There's the images don't look clear. Mm-hmm. Let me just put it that way. But the other one does, and um, you you I'm sure you could get it from like a library loan or something if you wanted to see it. Okay. And a lot of the individual images are available in, in some sites online and archive sites or whatever. Will you tell me again what the project is called or the, what the book The project is called? is called Preserving a Picturesque America. And the book was called A Picturesque America. Okay. And, and then what will happen with the images you all are creating now? Well, um, 
Scott can answer all those questions better than I can, but what he's going to do is create a new, some kind of new um, presentation or book or something that'll show it's going to kind of be like a modern version of the same thing. So the book also can, contains writing about those locations, mm-hmm. what they like when you're reading, you're actually re- reading the book. Also, it tells you more about that site than just the image. Mm-hmm. So he's collecting um, writings and poetry and that were created on those sites too. And he's putting them together with kind of a, here's the before and here's today and it's going to be great. It's going to be really great. It's a really cool project. I'm yeah. very excited to find out about it and to participate. And, um, be, you know, I, when I did these images, I had, I, I don't, I didn't really create them with any kind of intention that I would submit them to him to be in the book. I just wanted to go, I'm just excited about what he was doing and wanted to just bring my sketchbook and go to these places and sketch and you know he invited anybody who wanted to come to do that so I showed up and I had a great weekend it was really fun and great people there uh so it was really 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 good I will go again when he comes back he said he'll do it again there's still some other sites we didn't go to so I definitely would like to continue to be part of this project with him and the work in the original book is so is so fine, sort of very detailed kind of style because it was before Impressionism. Mm-hmm. So the work was more... The attempt of the artist of the day was more to do what a photograph, which wasn't really available, would do, which is like actually accurately record what was there. And that's not my way of working. I'm loose. I move things around. I'm playful. You know, I am mm-hmm. not a historical artist. Mm-hmm. But I did, I did um, invite some artists that I know in the Asheville area that are more that way, that do create a very realistic interpretation and do a fantastic job of it. And some of them uh, will, you know, are interested in participating too. So I would expect <laughs> that their work is more... Uh, it hits more the point or the goal in some ways. But in another way, maybe not because part of what happens in life is that art changes over time and some things that can be done with the photograph gave artists the freedom to become a lot more expressive. And maybe that really is part of what he wants to say to It's up to My Scott. Goodness. I just don't know what he wants to do. But I do know that this particular one, he's using this image already when he's he's doing a presentation in South Carolina to a group in the next month or so, and he asked me if he could use this image nice. that I did. So I did send him a, a good photograph of it to, to use in his PowerPoint or whatever. That's so, exciting. Yeah, that yeah. is exciting. It was great fun. It was a beautiful day, and really autumn was at its peak when we were there, so it was great. And how many artists were painting with you guys? Approximately. Well, um, no, we did not have a great turnout, uh, partly because maybe the word that he was going to be doing it came kind of late to our group. Mm-hmm. So um, there was one artist who came in who couldn't do it on the weekend, but he went in the, 
the Friday on Friday before this whole weekend thing started and did a very wonderful painting of the view that was in the book. Mm -hmm. And that's Brian Koontz, who is a local Asheville artist and also is a person who has a strong historical connection to the area as well as to the adventure art. He had a, had a relative who, back in the 1800s, was an adventure artist. Wow. And, yeah, so that was pretty cool to discover. And he went out there and did this wonderful painting. And then there was Scott himself is an artist, so he did some work. I did, and then one other artist showed up who didn't show us what she did. She was um, shy about showing her work. I don't know. She's a wonderful person. That was great to have her there, but I have no idea that what her work is like, and I don't think she has an intention of really submitting it or showing it. She just came also for the experience. Mm -hmm. She was very interested in the project. So... Mm -hmm. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? Because we really talked a lot about the internal process, some of your nuts and bolts, your inspirations. We haven't really talked at all, hardly, other than the recent history, about your history as an artist, but I don't know if you feel that would be necessary to feel complete about this or... You know, I've stopped kind of talking about my history because there is none. And I just, when I first, so I will tell you my history and you can decide what you want to put in. Okay. When I was a little girl, I loved to draw. And I also had a very busy life and you know, kind of uh, high expectations from my parents about my academic life. So even though I had it in my mind that I wanted to be an artist for a very large part of my childhood, I also thought I would also be other things because that was part of the expectation, and there was also a lot of things I loved. Mm -hmm. I, when I was in high school, deciding what direction am I going to take, I actually had the opportunity to be part of a program in my county, which was a pilot program, and it didn't, it never, it was only that one year, where as seniors, if we had all our credits, rather than going to class, we could be interns in local businesses or whatever, based on what we thought we wanted to do. So I decided to consider art and medicine. Hmm. I was always very interested in science many, many kinds of science, biological, botanical, medical, all that kind of stuff, you know, life science. Not only life science, though. I mean, I had a huge collection of um, different kind of rocks and stones and gems and geology. I was interested in a lot of things. But at this point, I decided I'm going to look at going to art school or going to medical school. So I job shadowed the local newspaper 
the Orlando Sentinel. I was in Orlando at the time. So they put me in the advertising department, you know, art, the art department for advertising. Mm -hmm. And I spent three months of my high school life going there instead of high school and working as an intern at the paper. And I had to do a project at the end of the three months and kind of present it to to the artist who was heading up that department. And I went in every day and I did little grunt jobs and learned about their equipment. And, you know, it was very interesting, but I didn't see any place where my particular individual art and passion about art was going to be expressed in that kind of work. It was commercial work and it was very sort of technical and kind of, nah, this isn't for me. So I thought, no, that's not what I want to do. I would love to be an artist, but this is not going to pay my, I'm not, this is not going to be a happy way for me to pay my bills. So I put that aside. I spent the other part of the, that semester in the residency program at the hospital. Got to see what it was like to be a, a resident and it was very, very demanding. And I decided that wasn't for me either. Mm-hmm. I loved medicine, but I did not see how I could have a family and be a doctor. And I didn't really want to be like a nurse or anything. If I was going to do it, I wanted to be a doctor. So I discarded both of those things, which I think is a fantastic program for high school students to be able to do. I was so fortunate to be able to do that because I didn't start out on the wrong direction on either one of those areas. What I ended up choosing was education because I thought, if I go into education, I get to do all of this. If I'm in elementary ed, I can teach science and get excited about science and math and art and music and everything. So that's what I went into was elementary ed. And I graduated with that degree in elementary ed, taught school for a little while, got married, started my own family, homeschooled my children and did not go back to any of that. I was very busy, very active in my community, and I didn't really do artwork. I never went to art school. I didn't take any art classes. I didn't have any art training. Mm -hmm. I provided great materials for my kids to do art and occasionally would play around a little bit, but really not very much. And so when my youngest, who is now 20, was in high school, her last year of high school, I said, you know what, now I can do art. So I took those, I took a class with Ursula Galau at AB Tech in acrylic painting. There was actually one other thing that happened when my daughter, who's my middle daughter, who is a watercolor painter, was 16, and she wanted to learn watercolor, um, and she wasn't driving yet or anything. She signed up for a class at the local community college, and I did too. So I did art for that year while she was studying watercolor. But I had a three-year-old back at home, Mm. so I did not stick with it after she went on, of course, and did it and does it greatly and is successful in doing watercolors and is supporting herself on her artwork, which is something that makes me very happy. But I, again, dropped my brushes and put it all away and raised my little toddler to the point where she was at the age of high school. And then I took that class at AB Tech and started painting and soon got into plein air work. And here I am, that was 2014, it's 
2017. I've been painting, you know, regularly since then, and I'm just finally doing what I wanted to do all my life. Mm -hmm. Sounds like yeah. you, you inspired your children along the way, and then you got to do it too. And that all being said, I really have thought about this a lot, and I have no regrets at all about any of the other stuff that I did, mm -hmm. um, because I love lots of things in life. I still don't want my, my art to like overtake my love of of science and medicine and I have a garden as you saw when you walked in I love gardening I went back to um massage school when my children were little to continue to have a little piece of that medical part of my interest fed and I learned how to do body work and did some of that off and on through the years and studied many forms of alternative healing and worked as a director of a program in massage therapy for a year or two in a school that also had other complementary therapies, acupuncture and midwifery, and learned about those things and took lots of classes to keep my CEUs up in healing techniques and energy work and still do that sometimes. So that's all still ongoing, but most of my attention now is going toward my artwork mm -hmm. and community building. The time has come. Yes, the time <laughs> has come. And I'm really happy that it's here. Yes. I mean, this is really, really um, just, like I said, I have, life is really interesting and there's all these different phases of life for some of us. I mean, some people kind of, they're born and they start doing their artwork. I, I, I know I meet these people and they, you know, they pick up their crayons when they're five or six and they just, from then on, they're doing art like all the time, their whole life. And it's wonderful. And actually my kids are more like that, you know, mm -hmm. that's kind of how their life was. And it wasn't, it wasn't like that for me. And it's really all good the way that it is. And we need all kinds of artists with all kinds of stories. And we bring our stories into what we do somehow mm -hmm. somehow maybe not obviously but somehow and I think it's really good that there's a mix of it in the beginning maybe when I started painting could get back to the original question that you asked me about my history I would say like oh I just started painting you know I've only been painting it was like an excuse for my work being very immature like I knew that it wasn't where I wanted it to be and I would give people this caveat, like, well, I just started, you know, so don't expect too much from me. But probably about, you know, half a year or so, or probably around the quick draw and all that stuff, I was like, you got to stop saying that now. You just have to own, you know, where you feel like you are. When I got juried into the Asheville Gallery of Art, I really knew, and that was a year ago, like, I mean, that I, I entered the gallery a year ago, November 1st. So I've been there for a year. And when I got into the gallery, my work still wasn't really where I was really pr as proud of it as I wanted to be. But I was so ecstatic to be in the gallery and knew that I would work really hard to get, you know, better. And now I'm at this point where I'm proud of where, what I'm producing. I'm proud of where I'm at with my work. And that's a really exciting place to be. 
And I'm able to say now, like, I'm an artist and not be like, I'm doing art or I'm, you know, I'm, because that's kind of how it was in the beginning. I just didn't want to own it. And because I wasn't ready to say, to say that, I just, if I'm going to join that, that league of artists, then I, I want to be up to, you know, the quality of what it, I kind of felt like I needed to be at to say that, to represent that whole you know, community of people that say we're artists. Mm -hmm. Now I'm an artist and I'm willing to say that I am and I'm part of that community. Mm -hmm. What (laughs) a good feeling. It is a great feeling. Thank you so much, Sue, for joining me. This has been an amazing pleasure. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. It was really fun. Oh, good. It's good to reflect back on things, you know, and have to articulate. Somehow it becomes more concrete and real. That makes sense. Yeah. So thanks for asking. Thanks so much for inviting me to be part of your podcast. You're very welcome. I really love them. So I feel really, really happy to be one of your interviewees. Well, thank you. And you're one of the people that's been (laughs) so kindly supportive of the show that I really appreciate that. Good. Yeah, you're welcome. I think it's a great thing. Well, I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I enjoyed having the conversation with Sue. You can check out the show notes at localhearted.com for links to Sue's sites and examples of her work. We tried to include the paintings mentioned during the episode and also included our links to the artists and resources mentioned by Sue during the show. While you're on the Local Hearted site, be sure to sign up for the mailing list so you will never miss an episode with one of our amazing local artists. To see Sue's work in person, visit the Asheville Gallery of Art in downtown Asheville. Sue has found out that she will be participating once again in this year's Quick Draw in Haywood County, which is May 19th, 2018, at the Laurel Ridge Country Club in Waynesville. Sue also points out that this year's season of artist demos for the Asheville Urban Landscape Project begins on April 10th, 2018, with a demo by artist Cheryl Kiefer, who was interviewed for Local Hearted Podcast episode number 20, so you can check that out too. Okay, thank you so much for listening. This is Meredith Adler for the Local Hearted Podcast. And the podcast theme music, Learning to Fly, is courtesy of and copyrighted by Jamie Noter Thomas. <laughs>